Hi, this is Taste Buds, and I'm your buddy, Corey. This episode of Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app. Whether you're rushing home from work after a long day or just hanging out on the couch, Foodora's got you covered. And you'll get a generous $12 off your first order with the promo code TASTEBUDS. Foodora, order food you love. Hey buds, tonight I'm meeting at the Black Hoof and things are probably going to get awkward. This is actually a rare thing that's about to happen. A restaurateur is gonna sit down and have a meal with a restaurant critic. A critic she blames for killing one of her restaurants. The restaurateur is Jen Ag, owner of The Black Hoof, Rum Corner, Grey Gardens, the list goes on. The critic is Chris Nuttall-Smith, formerly of The Globe and Mail, who's just launched a new website for restaurant reviews, thetaster.ca. And then there's me. I used to be a critic. In fact, Jen credits a rave review I wrote about The Hoof with helping to launch it. The Black Hoof, of course, changed everything and put Toronto on the map as a world-class contemporary food town. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm in the clear. Chris and I have had issues in the past, and so have Jen and I. So we're all kind of sort of buddies or colleagues or adversaries, maybe a bit of all three. Either way, we're gonna get into some things. And if that wasn't enough, tonight is also gonna be a bit dramatic because this will be the last time I ever eat here. The Black Hoof is ending its epic 10-year run this summer, and this was my first restaurant love, which is something you never forget. Hey Jen, uh, what, are we, what are we eating tonight? Um, I have this bunch of cured meat. A bunch of cured meat? Yeah. Beautiful. Shark <laughs> Cola. What, what else we got here? Many different times, and that's so funny to me. We'll get to that. Um, I'm sorry. Can we just talk about the ham and the sake? Let's talk one about second. the ham. It's I'm gonna have the ham. The ham is great. Like, I'm, having, I'm having the sake with Chris. Wow, that's what oh, I'm supposed to have. No, 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 you gotta the have the ham. ham. Wait, why are you doing that? I'm desperate to say this, and I've been thinking very fondly about the Black Hoof, and I remember so fondly Are the first time I came Are you trying to control the here. conversation about my restaurant? I am. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. No, I remember so well the first time I came here, and it's the only time I've sat on the patio. I haven't even looked at the patio since. I came here with a friend, probably 5.30. can't remember what day of the week it was. 5.36. There was nobody in here. You're in this part of town where people hadn't been opening restaurants. It wasn't considered a good address. Um, you couldn't make a reservation. Um, I had heard about the Black Hoof from Corey Mintz, who was a great booster in the early days and who was absolutely right about how great it was. And I remember sitting outside and starting to eat. And we had the horse, Sammy. We had some of those classic hoof dishes. And I remember just thinking, holy shit, everything has changed. This place is different from every other place I've eaten at in North America. It's super exciting. The flavors were amazing. The textures were amazing. The service was total pro. It was one of those meals that you get super excited about. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's so interesting is as a restaurant critic, I think you'll probably feel this as well, there's nothing more exciting than going into a place that's run by two people you've never fucking heard of before. There was a lot that blew me away about this thing yeah. the first time, but part of it was the surprise of it. I mean, it came through recommendation. And I went, I remember it was a Sunday night with my roommate at the time, Pippa, we sat in this booth, actually, in the corner, and we're like this, and it was so Table dark. Eight. Table eight. 
it was not the same lighting. It was dark. Um, it was so well, this dark. Is, well, the thing is, is first of all, that's not a fair assessment because the sun is still up. And sure. as you know, having read my book, you dim the lights with the setting sun. My recollection is it was, it was very it was dark that night. After the menus were printed on paper. I had been doing that job for about a year. I had come out of you know cooking for a living and I was very new to writing for a living. And I was thrown in the deep end in a kind of prestigious position that I was not qualified for. The additional really difficult thing that happened that I didn't know was gonna happen was the month you opened was also the beginning of a global financial recession. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean that happened before we opened. Distance. Like that was already a thing. Right, I knew that, that was a thing. But I'm, I'm just saying from a diner's perspective, yeah, yeah. I was going to places where it's $100 a meal, there's nobody in the place and staff is sitting there, they're hemorrhaging money, they don't know what's going on. And then I went to this place that said, this is what's happening, this is what's now. And you know, soon after, the place filled, it was filled. By the third week, it was filled. Well, that review was a big deal. Like, that was a big turning point, as I mentioned in my book. Not fishing. <laughs> I like what I caught. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. But I think that um, you were going to be a huge success regardless of what reviews you got. I don't know I don't about put that. that much you know what? I, that review is I mine. don't know about that. I don't agree with you at that time. I don't think so. I mean, I, I, like, I think, look, I think I would eventually have found a way to, like, to do what I want to do. But... At that time, it was a different climate, and reviews mattered. I don't know that that's true anymore. Do reviews but, not matter anymore? Well, in a different way. In a different How way. How do reviews I mean, matter now? Well, I mean, Grey Gardens got, like, beaten up by every critic. It was either a personality review, like, or it was, like, a, an erasure, which is, like, maybe better. I don't know. Um, and it's busy every single night. So do Whereas, critics not matter? Does Yelp matter more? Does your own personal brand and I, I think you a little like bit this? of all of it. I think a little bit of all of it. I mean, you know, when Chris reviewed Raw Bar, that was like a death knell for the business. And what was for the benefit and again of... that was a, that was years ago. That was five, six years ago. It was... Oh, it was like it was yesterday. No, it's not. I'm I'm not talking about it like it was yesterday. I'm not angry about it. I'm like <laughs> I'm really genuinely not. But I think it's appropriate to what we're talking about right now. Like critics had a bigger voice than they have now. You know. So Raw Bar was a beautiful restaurant and you're a great restaurateur. Why isn't it still here? Crystal Smith, who is with us now today um, at this table, uh, wrote a really lovely review of me and my restaurateur skills, but like really slammed the food. And like, that's what happened. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote a review saying the restaurant was a great space. Jen had done a beautiful job with design. The wines that. were interesting. The smellery, whatever you call it, was exciting. The food was awful. Did I use the word awful? I really feel we've been over this. <laughs> it was a very fucking hard review to okay, write. I, we don't need to, I know, I get it. We've talked about it a million times. Like, I know that. It's fine. I get that it was hard for you. I think, um, I mean, you know, to absolutely, you know, cut to the mm. quick and go to the, the personal oh, side of it. When I've generally, and, oh God, and really I expect you to disagree with this, generally when I've criticized you, I've spoken with you in advance. You've been great. No, I've no, gone out of my way part. to ask your, you know, to ask your views and to try to understand your perspective. And, and, and you know, in the case of Robert, I said, look, this is not a good review. You're not gonna like reading it. I, I've always made a point of telling restaurateurs, this is what's coming. I'm doing my job. It's not personal. I wanna hear your side. I, tried to put their side in the story. I think when you've attacked me, as you've done over the years, and I have taken it hard, it's been tough, um, I've had no, no indication. You've, and, and what I have felt is missing is you 
giving any shit about my perspective or trying to understand. So we're me. back to our therapy session. No, no, I no. thought we got through. No, you that. are friends, no, and they, this they, is coming from a place of love. When it came down to like our relationship coming head to head, restaurateur critic, I for the most part mostly took it with a grain of salt and thought that we had a really smart fake nemesis thing going. Which I, I, think, I, I think you often, generally understood often, what I do, and I generally yeah. So I, and I mean, I think you took issue with like a few things here and there and I took issue with a few things here and there. I think that the thing is ultimately is like a power struggle, right? Like there's like a voice in the city and like we're coming from different parts of the room. So like we both have really strong voices and I think there's like an easy way for Chris to have like the ultimate kind of say on how restaurants are. But I also think that I kind of have that too in a you very do. strange way. So I think I think that that it really comes like it really comes down to that, and I think, I mean, in terms of behind the curtain views of like how life works, like that's a funny thing, you know. Like that's it's a funny, but it's I mean, maybe we come from different perspectives. I'm one of those people who I want everybody to like me. So one thing that I will I think is really fascinating is how thin skinned your lot are. One of the things about being a critic is you spend a lot of your time shitting on people. If you fling shit for a living, you're gonna get some on you. Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app. And I gotta say, I was prepared to not like Foodora. I conducted a food snob taste test on them, in fact, fully expecting them to fail. Here's what I did. I ate a meal in a restaurant and then ordered the exact same meal from Foodora for delivery to see if it held up. And I ordered something that I thought they'd for sure mess up. I ordered hargau, shrimp dumplings. Here's the thing. Shrimp only needs a couple minutes to cook, so I was certain that, sealed in a container, they'd arrive chewy and dry. But here's what happened. The Fudora driver got to my door to the minute of their estimated delivery time, which, by the way, no other competing service app was able to do. And, to my surprise and delight, the shrimp were perfectly cooked. So I ate my words and the shrimp, too. Later, I bumped into a chef and told her about my experiment. She told me that for delivery orders of pad thai from her restaurant, she cooks the shrimp for one minute less than usual, calculating that they'll finish steaming while en route. So chefs, restaurateurs, and especially the clever people at Foodora are thinking about all this stuff. And we got them to provide you with a generous offer only for Taste Buds listeners. When you download the Foodora app and use the promo code TASTEBUDS, you will get $12 off your first order. Foodora, order food you love. This is so good. Yeah, oh my it's, God. it's beautiful. Uh, so this is the porch tartare with Asian pear, soy mayo, and rice chicharron. Rice chicharron. So this is like pound, like rice, like pounded out and then fried like chicharron? They, they cook rice. So it becomes super, super glutinous, dry it out, and then fried in a pot It's so good. It's I haven't had this in a while. I haven't had it since we put it on the menu. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's not too heavy. It's really good. Thanks, Lee. Love um, it. Are we going to have a little light red with our next? What? Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering. I've like, I've not as much as you, but I've written some of those reviews, and I've written some of the ones where it's it's fun, you know? like. You know your your review of the America. the America in the Trump Hotel. I is, really enjoyed writing that. Is how I, when I read it, I was like, he had such a good time <laughs> because when the tar- when the restaurant is owned by wealthy people, 
and the clientele is wealthy and it's a terrible restaurant, you don't feel bad about skewering it. It was just an awful place. And well, I felt, I mean, I don't generally like writing negative reviews. That was one of the very few negative reviews that I was just giggling as I wrote it. It took me 25 minutes. <laughs> a review of a place run by a restaurateur you like and you respect, that's a challenge. And I don't say that in the, oh, woe is me, it's so hard to be a critic way. I just mean, I think people assume that whenever a critic writes a review that's not entirely positive, they're people. just- they're, they're just giggling to themselves. People. No, I'm not actually referring to you. I think most people assume that critics are just these nasty, small-hearted people. Every time I walk into a restaurant as a critic, every time, without exception, I think, holy fuck, please let this be an amazing place. And most places don't get atmosphere right. Even if they have cooking really good, they just don't quite know how to make people feel good in a space. Um, and it's a really why important thing. Like, I, I know why I think that is. Why do you normals think that is? The world isn't my fault individually, but I can say that um, like when I interviewed for the job at the Star, uh, the woman who um, interviewed me, and I was terrified of her and I was like sweating. I never thought I'd get the job. But one of the questions she asked me, she said, what percentage, just ballpark it, you know, of, uh, of assessing a restaurant has to do with the food versus the everything else. And at the time I said, I think I said 75%. And then I said- the food. Yeah, I said 75%. And then I said, wait, 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 no, no, no. 95. 80. Yeah, yeah, wow. I went up from there. Okay, listen, can, I, can I respond to you that? You can respond after- Oh, I thought you were done. Mind. Oh my God. What, what, what I meant to say is I'm as guilty as anyone for what I think the problem, which is like, we're obsessed with chefs. We have lionized them to the detriment of our culture. Uh, both in terms of like looking at restaurants and I think that's why a lot of restaurants kind of get coast by because people are just excited about a gimmicky food um, and also in terms of labor violations and the kind of like taking advantage of people that happens oh, when people your... are deified. You're so bucks. My first initial response as you were speaking um, where I was like, can you hurry up so I can say my thing? Um, my initial response was, you don't, at the time, none of you knew how wrong you were. And, and not, not because of the accountability thing, because you actually believed it. That's what I, you have to, I have to totally disagree okay, with you. Okay, we're, I'm not done yet. Um, so, but the pro, you actually believed that it was food. And that's what I think is so fascinating about this, even more fascinating than, than all of the stuff you're talking about, which I also think is worthy of conversation. We should talk about it. But the really fascinating thing to me is that it, it, it's the, the trick, the magician's trick of having you come in and be so well taken care of and have the lady be so flattering, blah, blah, all the beautiful things that I do to make sure you're having a wonderful time that you don't notice. You notice it internally and it makes the food taste better. And you don't even realize that's happening. That's what I think is interesting. 100% right. true. I have to disagree with one thing. The very first restaurant review I ever wrote as a column with my name on it was of Malena. It was a restaurant at Avenue, oh, right. Avenue and Dav. I remember going and having an amazing time. The room was beautiful. The crowd was really interesting. The service was great. I mean, Zinta was one of the great pros for wine, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I remember coming home and my wife, Carol, asked me, how was it? And I said, well, the food was really mediocre. And she looked at me and she said, but how was it? And I said, well, I had a great fucking time. And she said, every single one of my friends doesn't care about the food. Every single one of the people who I hang out with cares about how they feel when they leave a restaurant. 
And that stuck with me. And it, it took me so long to learn that. It <laughs> stuck with me because you can go to places where the food is sublime and you hate the place. And the people are douchebags and the service is shitty. Look, I went and reviewed the tasting menu at Per Se in New York. And I hated every minute of it. Um, but I remember you know, being in there and thinking, I don't like this room, I don't like the service. I don't like that the cheapest glass of wine I can order that's sparkling is $40. That was insane. I hate this, but holy fuck, the food is good. But what am I gonna remember? I remember that I hated that room and I would never go back with my own money. What I always say is that we're gonna start from a baseline of mm -hmm. good food mm -hmm. and go from there. Yep. So like you can't serve people shitty food and then like, dress it up in like disco lights or whatever. Um, People do. But people do. People do that a lot. Most people do. And but but if you're gonna, you know, you're starting from a baseline of we're gonna have great food, and then you give them all the other stuff. If something goes wrong in the food, maybe a little bit, like it's it's less likely that they'll notice. It's less likely, like you just said, if you have a situation where the food is perfect, the atmosphere is terrible, it's absolutely likely that they'll not have a good time. So I think I think 100%. I I've, I've said it for a long time that service, atmosphere, all of that stuff, vibe, etc is more important than food. Okay, this is a great time to talk about the food. I was just gonna ask, is this food is fantastic? I wanna know yeah. what we're having. Please. This is the sweet bread sausage. How do you make mm. sweet bread sausage? It's a pork and sweet bread sausage. Grind you. James, grind come on, just fucking do it. How do we make the sweet bread sausage? Just I've do never it. ever seen sweet bread sausage. Talk about the cool sausage thing. you made, come on. Because we got mics and Okay, so I have to say that I was actually, I was against this dish at first because I felt like it took away from what sweetbreads naturally are until I tried it. Mm -hmm. And the sweetbread flavor comes. The texture no, of but, yeah, the because bread. the sweetbread flavor comes in so strongly that it's so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the sausage is like favorite flavor, very like subtly, like a little salt, a little fat we can wow. see like the cross sections. That's right. what's cool about it. I've never seen that. Does anybody else do that? I think I invented it. But... Well done. You never know in cooking. <laughs> but well done. Oh my god, that's good. It's crazy. I'm, I love this dish so much. Mm. James, that's amazing. Mm. It's sweet too. It's got a sweetness, and the fennel just kind of comes through, and you get the mm. beautiful texture. Mm. Wow, that's good. Oh my god, so good. It's cat knows when he's doing. It is peeled rhubarb. Oh. Looks like a wow. I think that Toronto um, is a dearth of good restaurant opinions right now in a way that is like awful and terrifying to me, in a way that upsets me. I mean- Why I'm, is that terrifying to you? Oh, like I'm just being dramatic. It's just like shitty. Like I'm not scared of restaurant critics. That's like, that's not a thing that even matters to me anymore. It's just disappointing. It's just so sad that we have this like very large city and there's just no one like really doing a good job since you guys have done this job at being restaurant critics. And that is very- But compliments aside, what do we need restaurant critics for? Okay, um, I actually think that I need restaurant critics um, just to reaffirm how awesome I am. So, <laughs> I'm so glad we got that out of the way. I thought I was gonna have to back you in a corner to get you to say that, and I'm you gonna, just came out with I'm it. gonna jump in, okay, I'm gonna say what know, I'm starting. I don't know if you know what I do best. What I do best is like not allowing other people to say the things about me that I already know. Well, because I've seen you demand this of the public, of, of various publications of the last years. Where are the restaurant critics? Give me the restaurant critics. We need the restaurant critics. And partly it is, as you say, to reaffirm your value or maybe just for a little kicks, bit though. to be a nemesis 
who you can say, that person's an idiot. Can I put my hand up and say there's a restaurant critic sitting right next okay, to Jen no, who's dying to say what he's about to do? Okay, well, Chris, you're too that, shy. But, but just, I am too shy. But just for a second, like you backed away from it for a long time. I did um, predict your eventual return. Congratulations. Because you wouldn't be able to take it. The thing that my wife told me before I left the job at the Globe was, if you leave this job, you will never again be as important as you are right now, and you will never again have the audience that you have right now. Your wife's very smart. She was. And I said, I realize that. I can live with that. The stress is killing me. And, you know, for all sorts of other reasons, I left. And I realized very quickly that I missed it. I missed going to restaurants. What I love most about being a restaurant critic is championing places that people don't go to, need to go to. Did you miss feeling important? That's a part of it. Ego, I was literally going to ask you guys both that question. I think it's really a great question. Ego is absolutely a part of it. And you hear from people constantly who say, when are you coming back? I don't know where to go. Uh, so I'm starting a <laughs> business called thetaster.ca. It's me and other people writing about restaurants, um, which I don't think really exists anymore in the city right now. You know, previously you had a budget, right? At, at the Globe. So I made a point enabled of, you to go at least twice 100%, to every restaurant. 100%. I, I, so one of the really important things in starting this was I didn't want to sacrifice the standards that I've set. So the budget I've set is actually higher than what I spent at the Globe Mail. So, you know, I'm spending $46,000 a year on restaurant bills for myself alone. I'm happy to take Plus, a small chunk of that. <laughs> real, you have. And this uh, is part of the answer when people say, why doesn't this paper or this paper have a restaurant? Because it's expensive. Because it's, it costs you the salary of two people. So to, the Golden Mail was spending more than $40,000 a year on my expenses. And by the way, I wasn't spending a lot on booze and wine, um, but I ordered all the food. Um, and they were always very good about it. Plus, they were pl- paying my salary. Um, and now it is, is it coming out of your pocket, or credit. do you have investors? I don't have a single investor, so I am self-financing this. You know, Jen's a restaurateur who spent a lot of her own money on opening restaurants, and you will look at $100,000, $200,000 and think, I've been there before, I can do that, no biggie. I'm spending $20,000 on a launch, and it's the scariest thing I've ever done. Well, I can't wait to review your website. Jen, it's been 10 years since I first sat in that booth over there, and I can't understate it. The Black Hoof changed the game. Now you're shutting it down. Why did you decide to walk away? It's important to understand when to leave the party. And, you know, last summer, believe it or not, was our busiest summer in, well, at that point, in nine years, which is kind of crazy. It's like an old lady restaurant, you know? Like, of course, there's, it's not the same energy, it's not the same people sometimes, but we're, we were still feeling that last summer. But I just, I made the decision. I was like, I'm gonna do it no matter what, no matter what happens. And this, you know, this summer has like been amazing and it's gonna be really hard to leave money on the table, I think is the expression, but I just wanna go out on a high note. I don't wanna limp over the finish line, you know, spend the next five years like watching this thing that I deeply love, you know, get more and more neglected by me because I'm interested in other things or not be able to keep staff because it's not the same anymore. I just don't wanna watch that happen. I think we're gonna just go out on a happy note. I don't know, I, I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll cry on the last night. Like, it'll probably feel really weird. Of course you will. I mean, you started this when your life was very different. You were, as you said, coming off this other experience, you were certain that this was gonna be a success, but you didn't have everyone saying, oh, we know Jen Egg, everything no. she does is great. I know, where did this I get that crazy terrific. idea from that I could just do this? Right now what's happening, which I think is really funny, is a lot of restaurateurs and chefs are coming up to me and like when we run into each other in public and they're like coming up and being like, congratulations, this one, one of these, 
This is what I'm doing the now. Double the, the double hand clasp. The double hand clasp. That's so a very like, personal. It's a mayoral. It's a mayoral run handshake. And um, and they're coming up to me and they're giving me the mayoral run. And and then I, I just look at them. I'm like, say it out loud. I don't give a shit. Like what you have to say to me to my face right now. Like literally no restaurateur or like prominent restaurant person or chef has acknowledged that the hoof is closing, which I mean is unsurprising to me. Are people just uncomfortable because your restaurant's closed? Um, are you kidding? No, I'm serious. Like, of course not. Of course, that's not the reason. But if, I, I don't ask that as a, as a, I ask that because Have I think- Have you ever been a woman? Okay, Chris, like people are like not saying anything for a specific reason. Mm. Like they're refusing to acknowledge the significance of this restaurant because me. That's weird. Not to deny your experience. I just mean, what the fuck is wrong with them? Well, I, I agreed, but like that's absolutely what's happening. And it's very, it's like funny and strange. And, and like I, I've, the again- The same I, people who are coming up to you and be like, yeah, hey yeah. Jen, love you, love yeah, what yeah. you Yeah, like three or four people have like said to me, like in public settings, like at restaurants where they've been like, hey, oh my God, the Huff, 10 years, congratulations. And I'm like, yeah, say it out loud or it really doesn't matter to me. Um, and like nobody said anything. So, but it's just, it's been fascinating to watch this kind of thing. Like I know how important this restaurant is, but like ultimately, yeah, of course. Like it would be nice if someone, someone who worked in this business was like, yeah, hey, this restaurant was important. Like it's great that media understands it. It's great that like customers understand it and they clearly do. But like the rest of my industry is really choosing to like erase me in this moment. And that is unsurprising to me. Jen, what you did with this restaurant, what you did for this town, that can't be erased. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheers. Or whatever, okay. somebody I mean, else, somebody no, cheers. It's fine, okay, we don't have to, cheers. cheers. The producer of Taste Buds is Ali Graham. Sound design and mixing by Chandra Bullicon. Canterland's managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Theme music is by Nathan Burley. And I'm your host, Corey Mintz. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Mintz. That's C-O-R-E-Y-M-I-N-T-Z or Z. And friends, we're a new show. Your support really matters. Every iTunes review, social media share, it really makes a difference. So if you could let your buds know about Taste Buds, it would mean a lot to us. Join us at the table again next Wednesday, where you'll find out how a vegan anarchist became the chef of a steakhouse. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.